This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, stackers. Just a quick note before we hit record. No swearing on today's show. However, we have an adult-themed commercial on this one. I think you're going to like it, but unless you want to do some explaining to the little ones in the car, might want to listen to this one without them. However, it's a great show. Can't wait for you to listen. So let's get on with it. My God, the Dukes are going to corner the entire frozen orange juice market. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and happy National Chocolate Chip Day. If you haven't had Joe's mom's famous chocolate chip cookies, man, oh man, are you missing out. I think it's about time to celebrate this special day, if you know what I mean. And today's sweetness, we're talking about springing into action. How do you get your dough rolling? To help us mix it up, a guy you might have heard from once or twice before on this very podcast, it's OG. And from the Afford Anything podcast, say hello to the mover named Paula Pant. And from LenPenzo.com, it's the Cookie Monster. No, 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 I'm just kidding, it's Len Penzo. Also, on our Friday FinTech segment, think you know annuities? And who doesn't? Maybe you'll need to switch up your financial recipe because today we're talking with a woman whose company is putting together an annuity hub with AARP from Blueprint Income. Say hello to Lauren Minches. Plus, we'll magnify a lucky listener's question and save time for some of my chocolatey trivia. And now, a guy who probably needs to lay off mom's cookies... It's Joe Salcihai. And the number of Joe's gaining weight jokes that guy can deal out in a week is incredible. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Chocolate Chip Cookies for the Win. I am Joe Salcihai, working on my COVID-19, apparently. And across the card table from me, a guy who also looks like he's putting a little on, Mr. OG. You're just jealous, but I'm definitely not putting any on. But I will tell you, a strategic byproduct of this whole quarantining and kind of sheltering in place is we've experimented with so many different chocolate chip cookies recipes that we are trying to find the perfect chocolate chip cookie recipe. And I'm so proud to be the person that gets to test all of this day after day. I was talking specifically in the face department because you're working on quite a beard there, Santa Claus. Pretty soon, uh, I'll be able to braid it. So that's what the cool kids are doing. They're putting braids in their beard. So Fantastic. And a guy who, uh, um, I was trying to make some braided hair joke, but 
There is no hair. <laughs> there is no hair to yeah, braid. Good luck with that. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's life in the bunker these days, Mr. Penzo? Hey, doing good. I'm cooking up my own chocolate chip cookies. I've got my own secret recipe, and uh, you know what? I can eat them all day, too. What's the deal, Lem, with everybody online making bread? You notice I feel like I'm missing out because I'm not talking about making my own bread during this whole thing. Yes, you're absolutely right. I've, I've been doing it quite a bit myself lately, and I'm finding out things in, during this closure on making bread that's very interesting, like how you get a crisp crust, for example. Like my first batches were the crust was not hard, but then I did a little research and I talked to my uh, cousin – and uh, he told me that you have to steam the bread. You have to steam it to get that crisp crust. See, now you just gave Quick away the it. you gave away your cousin's family recipe that's been in the family for <laughs> weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> no, but it's the weirdest thing. It's like it's the weirdest thing, Joe. It's baking is such a science, you know, unlike normal cooking. And it's just, uh, it's fascinating. And, and I'm learning, it's, I'm really getting into it. Well, a woman who I'm sure is a scientist, at the very least, she's her own Petri dish coming to us from <laughs> Las Vegas. It's Paula Pant. It is me. You know, I seem to be, I'm the contrarian here. I've lost three pounds since the quarantine Oh, started. show off. But okay, but in fairness, there are three factors. One is uh, I lost probably a pound, pound and a half when I had COVID-19, simply because I was too sick to eat for many days. Number two is I haven't been working out, not very much at least, and, and the little bit of working out that I've done has been all moderate cardio, like no nothing weight-bearing. So I imagine that some of the weight that I've lost is muscle mass that has disappeared. Uh, um, if you could lose it, you didn't need it in the first place, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then the third thing is that I'm not going to restaurants and eating all of the big, you know, like yeah. fat laden restaurant food. And I'm, and I'm not, I haven't had a, any alcohol since the beginning of March. Uh, the rest of us haven't had any alcohol since like two seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean about hanging out with Paula that we're all drinking and she isn't? <laughs> I'm on team Paula. I've got a glass of water. Yeah, uh, sure you do. <laughs> I've got a mango and papaya uh, smoothie. But, it's, but in, it's in an IPA pint glass. There you go. And I'm I'm drinking a Sparty Party beer. Sparty Party from uh, Big Lake Brewing in Holland, Michigan. Tastes and led, like losing. Oh, easy, pal. <laughs> it tastes like all those uh, all those uh, conference championships that Michigan hasn't had since they started the conference playoffs. But anyway, uh, Len, and and you're drinking a something. It's a blue moon. There you go. Blue moon. You, you missed a good one, Joe. You should have said it tastes like a block punt. It tastes like it, I should have. I should have done that. Oh, that was that was the day. A lot of people wondering what we're talking about. Just go watch the history of uh, great football. Hey, another thing you could be doing while you're drinking whatever mango smoothie or a, a Sparty party or a blue moon, whatever it might be, is you could be reading the stacker. That's where you get new lessons once a week. You also find out everything happening in the basement and you get to hang out with uh, cool kids like us, you know. I, I like the fact, OG, we get to call ourselves cool kids because in the money nerd 
community. We're all cool. Everybody. We're the bar a big, is not very high. We are a big, happy, nerdy family, which is awesome. And you can be a part of it. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. We got a great show today. We're going to talk about actually getting the ball rolling because I'm sure everybody's been talking about having a lot of time now that if you're lucky enough to be healthy and at home, you're still thinking, man, I got all these things I could do. And that list for most of us hasn't gotten shorter. So how do you actually get the ball rolling on your financial goals? That's coming up. So let's get started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. All right. Our piece today is uh, from a little blog called Get Rich Slowly. Not sure what that's all about, Paula. So, Never heard of it. Sounds like new kid on the block to me there. Some dude <laughs> named J.D. Roth. Today, we have a guest reader, and it is our very own super amazing Mr. Engineer himself, Steve Stewart. How to Get Started with Difficult Tasks by J.D. Roth. In the financial independence community on Reddit, user MK England asked a seemingly innocent question. What made you stop planning and researching financial independence and actually start? Was there a tipping point for you where you finally felt ready to start your FI journey? What made you finally take the plunge, open your first IRA brokerage account, etc., and throw your money into the market? I'm waffling over details, though, and just can't seem to do it. This question seems innocuous, right? Yet I've been thinking about it for the past 24 hours. I hear questions like this relatively often. People want to know how to get started with saving and investing, or with debt reduction, or they want to know how to get started with budgeting. And in fact, it's the sort of question I had to go back to when I started my own journey, away from debt, and towards financial freedom. It all seems all so overwhelming. Where do you begin? Trust me, I know how easy it is to overcomplicate things. My ex-wife used to call me over-analytical man due to my superhuman ability to overthink even the simplest subject. Although I do this less often, and less severely, than I used to, it's still a problem that plagues me. Today, let's talk about what I've learned about how to get started with difficult tasks. Actions, not words. Generally speaking, things aren't as complicated as you or I want to make them out to be. Most problems can be solved with simple solutions. It's how we implement these solutions that adds layers of complexity. A healthy weight, for instance, is really as simple as calories in, calories out. Yes, I realize there's a lot of debate about the subject in recent years, and yes, I understand there's a lot of nuance and complexity to the discussion. But that doesn't change the fundamentals. If you want to lose weight, you have to burn more calories than you consume. Likewise, all of personal finance boils down to one simple rule. To build wealth, you must spend less than you earned. End of story. This is the fundamental rule of personal finance. And all of the books and blogs and TV shows about money, all of the added layers of complexity, are simply clothes draped across the basic body. When I see questions like, how do I get started towards financial dependence? It all seems so complicated. My mind immediately goes to this. How do you get started? By spending less than you earn. Want to get out of debt? Spend less than you earn. Want to save for a down payment on a house? Spend less than you earn. It all comes back to this one idea. Any move that increases your income or decreases your spending is a step in the right direction. In a way, allowing perceived complexity to prevent you from doing the right thing is a variation of the optimization trap. The optimization trap is the belief that small tweaks make more difference than they actually do. Optimizing small things, like clipping coupons, is often a way for people to feel like they're doing something meaningful when they're actually avoiding big, scary moves 
that could truly make a difference, like downsizing their home, for example. When people like me overcomplicate things at the start, we're doing so for similar reasons. We're nervous about making big changes. We're complacent. We're comfortable with our lives at the moment. So instead of doing the things we know need to be done, we spin our wheels while focusing on details that don't matter. Right now, for instance, I'm fat. There's no way to sugarcoat it. I've been gaining weight for several years now, and thanks to this quarantine, I've reached peak JD in terms of size anyhow. I know what I need to do to get fit again, eat less, exercise more, but I find it very easy to allow stupid details to prevent me from doing the right thing. My bike needs a new tire, I don't have weights at home, and the gyms are closed. I don't like vegetables, I don't know which tool to use to track my calories. All of these details are bull that distracts me from the fundamental problems. I need to burn more calories than I consume, and I'm not doing that. If I want to get started with weight loss, I must achieve and maintain a calorie deficit. If user MK England wants to reach financial independence, he or she must spend less than he or she earns. In both cases, thinking and deliberating does nothing. To achieve our goals, we must take action. Start where you are. For overthinkers like me, action is key. Instead of finding the perfect time and place to start, we should start anywhere. Screw perfection. When starting a long journey, a perfect first step isn't critical. If you stumble at the start of a sprint, you're likely to lose the race. But if you stumble at the start of a marathon, it makes no difference. All that matters is that you've begun running. As my friend Paula Pant once told me, an imperfect plan you follow is better than a perfect plan you don't. One of the core tenets of the Get Rich Slowly philosophy is that the perfect is the enemy of the good. Too many people never start putting their finances in order because they don't know what the best first step is. Most of the time, best is irrelevant in this context. Don't worry about getting things exactly right. Just choose a good option and do something to get started. Here's a non-financial example from my own life. As you may know, Kim and I moved into our country cottage nearly three years ago. For the first couple of years, our time and money and attention were focused on home renovations. There were a lot of repairs that had to be made. Last year, we took a break. But this year, thanks in part to the quarantine, we've begun tackling our yard. We have an acre of land. About half of it is seldom used forest that slopes down the hill to a creek. But the other half is our fenced yard. It's a gorgeous park-like setting, or could be if it were maintained. But the previous owners let things get out of control, and we've done little more than tread water since we bought the place. We've kept things from getting worse, but haven't done anything to make things better. This year, though, Kim and I have resolved to make our park-like setting actually park-like. That'll require a lot of work, like hundreds of hours. In February, we toured the yard to talk about what we needed to do. We each made a list as we walked along. When we finished, we were both overwhelmed. There's so much, Kim said. Where do we start? I don't know, I said. I guess we start with whatever feels most pressing. We drafted a short prioritized list of projects, and then we never followed it. Seriously, the top thing on our list remains undone two months later. Instead, here's how things went down. On her first day laid off from work, Kim went outside to play with the dogs and cats. She got distracted by some weeds in the tea garden, so she paused to pull them. This led her to prune the climbing rows. Then she hauled the yard debris to the bottom of the hill, where she found more yard debris that needed to be cleaned up, and so on. Before she realized it, she put in a full day of work. But it wasn't the work that we'd planned. 
What we found is that if we go outside, we'll see something that needs to be done. If we do that thing, a second step will become self-evident, or we'll see something else that needs done nearby. In other words, if we simply put ourselves in motion, if we do anything that contributes to our future vision of the yard, we'll continue to work on the yard, continue to be productive until we're tired and done for the day. It doesn't matter which chore we chose. All that matters is that we chose a chore. Kim has been home for maybe six weeks now. Who knows anymore? My sense of time is warped. In those six weeks, we've made huge strides. Sure, there's still much left to do, and we know it. But every day we do a little more. Our yard has already been transformed, and it's only going to get better as we continue to do more work. Here's the very obvious moral of the story. Start where you are. Do what you can with what you have. Don't concern yourself with right or best options. Choose a good option and get going. When tackling a big project, whether that's renovating a yard, digging out a debt, or saving for early retirement, it matters less how you begin than that you began. I've always found this to be an issue, Len. We'll start with you. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but when it comes to even some really important whether it's financial tasks or non-financial tasks, it's like there's something in my brain that has to click before I finally start moving on it, before I finally get from just sit around and talk about it all day phase to I'm actually rolling on doing whatever it is, whether it's setting up a new, a new savings plan or finally buying insurance or doing the right thing. Do you find, do you have the same problem shifting it into gear? I certainly do. It takes a, a kick in the butt, really, and you gotta you gotta really push yourself because there, there's things you have to do. It's not easy. You just can't snap your fingers. So it, it takes an effort. A lot of it takes research, and a lot of people just don't want to put. You know, they have other things to do, and uh, so so you have to motivate yourself. But that's interesting to me. Do you find that more research actually gets you started? Because you and I both know people. Hell, you're an engineer. You know lots of these people, right? They get more and more information, and the more they know, they realize they don't know more, so they dive into research forever territory, and they never do anything. Yeah, the old paralysis by analysis, but that's, you know, you, you've got you've to know what to do just to get started, and, and the fact is don't get so much information that you get overwhelmed. At least get to the basics of what you have to do, and then you can get into the dirty details later. Paula, do you do lots of research like Len talked about to get yourself motivated to go? It depends on the field. So when I started re investing in rental properties, I did zero research. I had no idea what I was doing. I just jumped in blind. I guess when I started investing in mutual funds, because I've had mutual funds before I had index funds, same thing. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how the market worked. I just sort of jumped in and bought some mutual funds. But yeah, there are other things for which I've I've gone deep down the like research rabbit hole and and still never acted on it but it's just so you're saying that research didn't really help you that when you actually were building your net worth it wasn't research it was just move well i wouldn't say that i was building my net worth i would say that i took the first step but oftentimes that first step ended up leading to mistakes for example buying those first few mutual funds you know i treated the stock market like a high yield savings account and didn't really fully understand that uh that timeline matters timeline to withdrawal actually matters imagine that <laughs> so did i make good decisions no not particularly but did i at least open the account and get started yeah and then everything else i figured out from there but is it that process paula of having skin in the game right 
where it's mm -hmm. actually costing you money that has you take it seriously enough that you start figuring out the right way to do things, which makes you want to do it more. Yeah, I think that's it. Actually, I, I do think it stops being just a hypothetical. Oh, and lost aversion sin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, how much? How? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to lose. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna stem the bleeding and hopefully make the money back up. Oh, gee, you've got to see this all the time as a financial planner. Like people get so much information and more information, and they still don't make a move. What do you think the catalyst is? I'm a big fan of doing something. You know, kind of from the perspective of decisiveness. There's very few things when it comes to money that are changes or things that you do that are unchangeable, I should say. Very, very, very few things. I can think of a, a number off the top of my head, like, for example, selecting your pension option when you're, it's time to retire. Like once you pick that, you're pretty much into it. You know, selecting when to withdraw from Social Security, you're pretty much into it at that point in time. Starting a mutual fund. Investing $100 a month, paying off a credit card bill, all that stuff is changeable. If you don't want to pay off your credit card bill after you already do it, chances are pretty good you can go charge something back up again. You know, that sounds really silly, but it's happened, right? Where you you, you pay something off and go, son of a gun. I didn't know that this situation was going to happen right now, like this uh, Corona stuff. And I just finished at the beginning of March paying off all my credit card bills. And now I got laid off by my job. Well, how do you undo that? you get your credit card out and you charge it up again. So there's so few things that are set in stone once you do them that it almost makes sense just to do something. Even if it turns out to be not the exact right thing, you're at least moving in the right direction. Paul, like you were talking about with your investing plan, maybe you didn't pick the right mutual fund or the right one for your timeline, but you got in the habit of saving something. And that led to other decisions and other learnings along the way. Is that the most important move then when it comes to saving is just, oh, gee, getting saving started and optimized later? Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. It's yeah, all the analogies that you can think of. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? The snowball method. You know, all of these things are all predicated on make a small step today. And then that step will compound on, on, on the next step that you do down the line. And it's perfectly fine to learn that you made a mistake. Len, but what about this idea that JD talks about, about the optimization trap, right? So OG says, maybe just get started in motion, but you see all these people that get in motion. They're like, and JD pointed this out. I'm going to start off with clipping coupons and clipping coupons goes absolutely nowhere for most people. How do you get past this feeling of I'm doing something when you're really just spinning your wheels? Yeah, well, that that's a good point. You know, one thing he's talking about in this article, though, is getting started. And the one thing, you know, it's like just start. But you need two components, really. You need you need a plan that's the bullets. I got to do A. I got to do B. I got to do C. I got to do D. But there's a second component that you really need to do if you want to be effective, and that's add a deadline. Give yourself a period of time to complete each bullet point. Otherwise, you are what we say in the engineering world, you're running open loop. And you don't want to do that. You want to close the loop and you close the loop by giving yourself deadlines for each particular item that you have in your plan. Otherwise, you may never get started. But, but do you find, Len, that people have this fear of if I start and then I got to close the loop and I might not have time, I might do it wrong, that that alone prevents them from doing stuff? Because I think about sometimes 
things that are on my to-do list that remain undone just because they, between my ears, it seems like it's going to be really freaking hard. Yeah, but that's a personal issue, right? I mean, you've got to just get over that. I mean, I don't know what to tell people if they're just afraid. They don't want to, you know, that's almost like an excuse. It's like dig in. And there's a lot of things we do in life that we start and we don't know anything about what we're doing. But over time, the more you learn, you should, you'll know what better questions to ask over time. As you're learning, additional questions will come to you that you can ask to get yourself smarter. So you can start from dead scratch, from dead zero, and become very knowledgeable slowly over time just by slowly taking in information, learning, asking the right questions. And uh, there's really nothing to fear in doing that. It's interesting that you say that, Len, because I think about a lot of times people don't start things because they're afraid of closing all these other doors, right? You're afraid that if you start down a path, it's going to close out all these other paths. And yet to your point, every time I proceeded down a path, it opens up way more opportunities than had I done nothing in the first place. But, but, But we fall into that trap, don't we? Of course. Yeah. And again, it's the fear. I don't know. Is it the fear of failure? Is it the fear of being overwhelmed? I don't know. But, it, you know, instead of looking at it as in, from that standpoint, look at it from an angle of discovery, right? You're opening your doors, opening your world, opening your knowledge base. Don't be afraid. It's There's there's no penalties for making mistakes. You're actually, you're you're going to grow from those mistakes if you do make them. I want to focus on this, Paula, because J.D., as you heard Steve say, said, uh, as my friend Paula Pant once told me, an imperfect plan you follow is better than a perfect plan you don't. Mm -hmm. Who would say something like that? (laughs) Uh, Whoever would say something like that must be brilliant. Uh, brilliant. I would guess that that person is probably a fan of mango and papaya smoothies. Oh, (laughs) Very smart. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I think that the time, I think I remember saying that to JD. Uh, we were in Portland. We, uh, I was in Portland for some reason. I forget why. And I remember us meeting up and he was talking about, I think he was talking about his weight, um, which is something that he also mentions in this article as well. We were talking about how many different furies are out there about the the ideal way to eat. And should you be paleo or keto or primal or the South Beach diet or Mediterranean diet or vegan or like there's all these different theories. And then there's all these different theories about exercise and, you know, what combination of cardio to weights should you be doing? Blah, 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 blah. But none of that matters if all you're doing is sitting on your couch, reading Reddit threads, comparing these different options and not actually like putting on a pair of pants and just going out there and getting some type of movement. And so I think that was the context in which I said, like, look, an imperfect plan that you'll stick to is better than a perfect one that you won't. But what if if there's a particular exercise style that you're more likely to do, do that. And don't worry if it's like the right exercise or not. What if that imperfect plan is what he talked about, just clipping coupons? I mean, it's better than nothing. And over time, if you're into it, it can lead into something greater. But, you know, but for some people, I mean, my my mom was a life lifelong, I mean, she's still alive, but for my whole childhood, she just clipped coupons constantly. And that for her was, you know, that was her financial contribution to our household. So it's better than nothing. I like this idea, OG, that he talks about process, not outcome, meaning just get started down the road. I mean, how many times have you done that where you've you've taken a task 
and you just got started and then miraculously because you started, you finished. The biggest thing when it comes to any long-term project and financial independence is by all accounts, a long-term project or anything that has to do with improving your finances, like Len said, is making a list of all the stuff that you have to do. And sometimes that's even that's overwhelming. I love the idea of just saying, what's the first step that I have to do? I learned this from a Tony Robbins thing that I was a part of years ago, which was when anytime you're doing any goal setting, never leave the site of a goal without actually taking the first step toward it. And that doesn't have to be super complicated. You know, you're thinking about a Disney trip in the fall. Maybe Disney's open again. We're working on that in our family right now. You know, there's 40 million things to do before you can go to Disney. <laughs> you know, you got to order tickets and get a hotel reservation and get all your food and all this sort of stuff. Or you can just order away for the brochure. That's the first step. It doesn't mean you're going to get it all done, but it provides momentum along the way and motivation because without those things, without maybe even both of those things, you're not going to get them done. And so it's the process. It's the thing of doing the next best thing uh, along the way. And if you think about uh, financial planning or uh, financial independence planning as, as this never-ending constant improvement stuff, like our engineer friends do, there's no end to that. You know, the, you've never completely fixed a process. You've never completely, and it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just how you think about it. And Len's smiling because he knows that I'm right, right? And then oil turns negative and you go, wait, smiling. I thought that there was a spot at which <laughs> this would eventually end. But... Oh, gee, I'm smiling because my engineers... <laughs> They'll never quit. They'll just keep improving. I mean, you have to cut them off or yeah. nothing. It's never done. It's never done. The the widget or whatever they're designing is never, never perfect. They but just that's keep how, going. That's how finances are too. I've got an 850 credit score. Awesome. But do you have two years worth of savings in the bank? No, I've got a year and a half. Well, could you have two? Sure. Would that be better than 18 months? Absolutely. You know, you can always do a little bit better and it's not about being done. Uh, George Leonard's famous book, Mastery, I think some of us have read it maybe. It's all about enjoying the plateaus. It's it's small little bursts of energy, but a long period of time of just running the process. And like you said, it's just one foot in front of the other. Paula, how much does the threat of perfection get in our way and stop us from starting in the first place? A ton. They say that perfection is a synonym for procrastination. That's the inevitable outcome. So rid of, I mean, easier said than done, I understand. But to the best of your ability to do so, try to get rid of any notions of perfection. Because frankly, when you're a beginner, you're not going to do it right anyway. Even if you try, even if you try to make it perfect, if you're a beginner at any skill, whether it's playing tennis or driving a car or writing or putting out a podcast, anyone who's a beginner at anything is going to look back on that 10 years down the road and say, oh, good. And as you should, because that means that you've had 10 years of progress. Well, if anybody here uh, hanging out with us today is a big fan of uh, annuities, I'm sure it's you, Mr. Penzo. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. 
Yeah. Mr. Porn over my retirement numbers over and over and over again. Of course, this latest dur- downturn kind of made things simple for me now. So. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now he a looks. Of, a lot of questions just just were answered for me. <laughs> just just made it easy. Just nope. The answer is no. Right. Yes. <laughs> Well, Laura Minches is uh, one of the co-founders of a company called Blueprint Income. And when you think about annuities, the first thing you think about is all the horrible annuities out there and all of the horrible bells and whistles that companies add to annuities. Blueprint Income is a company, though, that has been working hard on what annuities were first meant to be, which is if I told you that you maybe could create a lifetime income stream that you cannot live and that's it. It's very simple. Well, who doesn't like that? So Blueprint Income now, I was happy to find out that they are working with ARP on a new idea. And I thought we this is an idea that we need to talk about. So Laura Minches on my dead shortwave. And on my dad's shortwave, it's our good friend Laura Minches. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you, Joe? Well, you know, we're hanging in there here in the basement. I don't know if you know this, Lauren, but we were hanging out at home before it was cool. So <laughs> so then this has been a breeze for you. It's been great. It's fantastic. We're all prepped and ready to go. Awesome. You guys have been very busy, though, even though you're also, I'm sure, stuck at home. But man, you haven't been stuck doing nothing. Uh, we'll talk about exactly what you've done. But you and your partner, Matt, and your team, you guys are experts in the field of annuities. And the second I say that, I know my audience well enough to know that there are people that are reaching for the fast forward button right now. Tell me why that is. Uh, Because you being in the industry, I would rather have you tell me than me tell you why I think that is. You know, sometimes it's hard to say why products build the reputation that they do. Sometimes it's because of the sales tactics and sometimes the product actually warrants it. Annuity is one of those words which describes quite a few products. And some of them, I do agree, are not great. They offer contract terms that are unclear. People get stuck in situations where they thought they were getting one thing and they're getting another. And we stay away from all of those. But annuities are a really good thing if you choose the right product. And they're great because they provide something that, especially today when we've seen all this market volatility that's affecting all of our finances, it's something that annuities has or annuities have, they have guarantees. Now, these guarantees are all subject to the claims paying ability of the insurance company, of course, but they don't put you, if you choose the right one, in a situation where you're worried about the market going up or going down. If you've purchased a fixed annuity, you're getting 3% per year flat. So there are pros and cons to annuities, but I really believe that if, if you're the type of person that doesn't like to take a lot of risk with all of your money, if you're also someone who's worried about longevity and you don't have a pension then annuities, when used the right way, can be really productive for your finances. Well, and for, for it's funny you say the word pension, because that's exactly where I was going to go, because pension actually has, as you know, a great reputation. And in a lot of ways, when you buy an annuity the right way, that's what you're getting, is you're giving yourself a pension. You are, but pensions are paid for by your employer. You have to buy the annuity yourself. So <laughs> that changes all of the dynamics of the product. Sure. But yes, it's a pension that you're buying for yourself if your employer doesn't offer one for you. That's right. But you could also look at it this way, though, Lauren, that um, sure, my employer buys it for me. 
but they're really taking money that they could have paid me or paid out to other people. And they're sticking it in this thing anyway, that I can now do myself. Yeah, that's right. I mean, when an employer funded a pension for you and it was very expensive, they were presumably paying you less on an ongoing basis. So yeah. at the end of the day, the numbers all add up. There's out. a business, they decide how much they want to give their employees and they allocate it across benefits or cash or whatnot. Now we all have, most of us, or a lot of us have 401ks or IRAs, which are just balances of money we're saving for retirement. We can choose to invest that money in the market, or we can choose to put it in an annuity. If I purchase an annuity, one, one interesting thing that you mentioned earlier is it's an income stream that I can't outlive. Longevity, is that something that you guys worry about a lot? Well, for sure. I mean, life expectancy is increasing overall in the United States and especially for people who are who have longevity in their families. The problem with not knowing how long you're going to live is you don't know how expensive your retirement is going to be. So you could have a retirement that lasts 10 years and you've got plenty of money to pay for 10 years of expenses. But what if you happen to be one of those people where your retirement lasts 30 years? How do you cover that money? It's a challenge that's really hard to tackle on an individual level, much simpler to tackle on a societal level, which is why we have social security. And that's also the role that insurers are playing when they come up with products like annuities. They're allowing you to select into this pool of risk that that's pooled across people. And so if you are one of those people who has a retirement that's 30 years, you've, you've really benefited from the product. Yeah, you have a uh, sheet that I'm looking at that talks about how to choose an annuity. And I want to ask uh, you about each of these things. The first thing that you list on your sheet is choose an annuity because of what's guaranteed. Leads me to believe then, Lauren, that, th that there's a difference between what's guaranteed sometimes and the sexy bells and whistles that you'll sometimes see. Yeah, there are products that have been created over time, which offer both some sort of guarantee, like some downside protection, maybe also an income benefit, but they also allow you to participate in the market. So there are annuities that are trying to play the role as sort of an all-in-one. It's both your investment portfolio and your insurance portfolio. And those products can be hard to understand. The difference between buying an annuity and hoping for good market performance and just putting your money in the market and hoping for good market performance is that in the former, you're often stuck in the product for a certain number of years. There are charges to get out. Whereas if you just have your money in a fund somewhere and you decide I don't want to be any in anymore, you can take your money out. So the reason why you want to pay attention to the annuity guarantee is that you have to leave your money in for a specific amount of time or for a life. And so for me to wrap my head around that, the only way I would leave my money in for a specific amount of time or for life is, is if I understood exactly what I was going to get for that commitment. And with, so that's if, the type of product we focus on. Well, and that's what I was going to ask is the annuities that you like too, very stripped down, like you can see that in black and white. The guarantee is right there in front of you. Yes. Very simply, there are yeah. two types of products that we, we like. One is a fixed annuity, also known as a multi-year guaranteed annuity. It's a fixed rate of return for a fixed number of years. So you put your money in for three years, you get two and a half percent, let's say. That's it. At the end of the three years, you take your money out. The other product is an income annuity. You put in an amount of money and you get a specific income every year for the rest of your life, starting now or starting later. But in both of those types of products, the guaranteed return and the term or the income, they're specified up front. They can't change. The only risk you have is that the insurer goes out of business. 
And, and for those income annuities, I can do it one of two ways, right? I can put it all in at once and just start up the engine, or I can put money in a little bit at a time and kind of build myself a pension over time, right? Yes. Our flagship product, we've called the personal pension. It's an account of annuities. So it's exactly what you're saying. Very similar to the way someone funds a 401k. You put money in little by little. And every time you put money in, it buys a little sliver of an income annuity so that after years and years of doing this, you have a pension. Very similar to how your employer funded your pension way back when. So you guys, I mentioned that you've been very hard at work and you have now partnered with an organization that maybe one or two people here have heard of, uh, some something called AARP. What, what, what does <laughs> yeah, that stand for? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, 38 million Americans have probably heard of AARP and many people are familiar with all of the advocacy work that they do and everything that all the products and services they have for the 50 plus community. So we are now a new product or service offered. Uh, we have a marketplace of annuities that we've designed specifically for AARP members. It's a select group of insurance companies. And so if you came to blueprintincome.com slash AARP, which you can access whether or not you're an AARP member, but AARP members get extra benefits, you'll find a curated group of these simple annuities that we've been talking about. Tell me about how it works. So I go to blueprintincome.com forward slash AARP. And what's the first thing I'll find? Um, you'll find a list of the different products available in the marketplace, fixed annuities, income annuities, and the personal pension, all of which we've spoken about, and a list of the insurance companies that are participating in the marketplace. So it's seven insurance companies, all rated A plus or A plus plus from AM Best, which is one of the rating agencies. So these are the top rated companies uh, when you're considering where should I put my money if I really care about safety. These are the types of companies you want to consider. And what do I do then, Lauren? I can compare them there and just decide one against another, which one do I want to go with? Yep. So the fixed annuities, it's a marketplace of rates. So you'll see this company is offering this rate for five years. This other company is offering this rate for three years. You can learn about the different options, see how much interest you'd earn over the three or five years. Uh, in the case of income annuities, it's very similar, but you put in some of your details, your date of birth and your gender and when you'd like the income to start. And you'll get quotes from all the different insurance companies basically bidding for your business to, to offer you the most amount of income for your profile. Awesome. And we'll, we'll link to the website on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. One last question I have for you, Lauren. Annuities, I feel like have changed a lot. Even in the time that I've known you, I think you and I have known each other for maybe five years. And in that time, I feel like the industry is kind of changing. Where do, where do you think it's headed next? Well, we've seen a lot of improvements on the digitalization in the insurance industry. So that's really exciting. I think one of the reasons that people have been hesitant to buy annuities in the past is the way that you buy them. Sort of the old school method of meeting an agent across the kitchen table, and then you fill out all this paperwork, and then it takes two months. And we've worked really hard with the insurance companies to improve this process. You can discover everything on our website. You don't have to work with a different agent for each quote. You can fill out the application online. Processing is much faster. So I think that's a really big deal. And having a digital processing opens up all sorts of channels for how these products can be accessed, uh, which is different than five years ago, 10 years ago. It's interesting buying an annuity and buying a car, both going that way. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel like buying a car is becoming easier all the time too. And, uh, and it's exciting. I mean, everybody needs a car 
and everybody needs to make sure they have enough income to last forever. So, yeah. And they're both big considered purchases. Sure. Yeah. So it makes sense that for most people purchasing an annuity requires a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that what we've done is made that conversation one that can also happen just over the phone, via email, via chat versus an in-person meeting. Yeah. I think a lot more comfortable for a lot of people. Lauren, thanks. It's great to see you again. And uh, thanks for hanging out and talking annuities with us. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And we got big problems here, people. Big problems. It seems that Joe's mom didn't have any cookies baked and ready to go on National Chocolate Chip Day. She bought this lousy calendar for me and doesn't even observe the major holidays like this one? Unbelievable. But because I'm a giver, this is a great opportunity for neighbor Doug to come to the rescue again. It's exhausting, stackers, being this wonderful. Just exhausting. I don't even know how this place would manage without me. All right, just, just hear me out. In just a few minutes, I'm going to make the best chocolate chip cookies this here basement has ever tasted. And in one minute, you heard me right, stackers, even better than Joe's mom's cookies and faster. I'll probably have no choice but to package them up and sell them to all the neighbors because the smells coming from this house could start a riot. But before I head off to bake my piece de resistance or something, here's today's trivia. Since I'll certainly use nothing but the best chocolate chips in my cookies, which is clearly Nestle. Uh, Nestle, if you want to sponsor the show, see what a brand spokesman I could be, write me, all right? Hit me up, DM me. So for the best chips, what year was Nestle founded? I'll be back with your trivia answer faster than you can say, mm, mm, yum, yum. It's funny lately having all of the Coca-Cola, Pillsbury, we could be OG just rolling in sponsorships here if we were smart about this. One would assume we, that uh, they're going to show up one of these days. Someday, man. But for now, we'll we're give the competitors to them. <laughs> you know, right. maybe we're, Pepsi. We're going to mm -hmm. talk about Nestle Toll House. Well, no, Toll House is Nestle. Never mind. We're going to talk about Nestle competitor. Toblerone. Yeah, that's right. Toblerone. If you don't, I, I, are you a fan of Toblerone? Mm-hmm. Are you? Love Toblerone. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I get that stuff stuck in my teeth, Paula, and it's annoying. <laughs> so not a big fan of Toblerone. But what I am a big fan of is trivia. And for those of you who are new to this show, we have a trivia contest every week where we talk about finance, companies, economies, and the score of this year-long trivia challenge is OG6. And now Len, as of last week, moved up into a tie again with yes. six. And Paula... Waiting. I don't know what she's waiting for, but Paula has three. Way in back, lagging behind. This is the week. I think you just like get deciding first if you want to go first in the middle or last. That's what I think. You enjoy that I, part of the I, process. I do enjoy that. It's uh, it's nice to be able to listen to the other two guesses before I volley my own. So are you saying then that you want to go last again? You guessed it. All right, Len, uh, do you want to go in the middle or first? The middle. All right, OG, it's on you again, good sir. Nestle. 
Nestle. It's from the French, which means nice chocolate. That's what that means, translated, just so you know. It's not. Are you sure? What that means. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it meant nest. I was sure. He had me. Joe looked at me real quick and was like, that's bull. Uh-huh. Maybe. That sounds right. Bird's nest or something like that. Bird's nest. If you look in a Nestle bar, there's like a bird's nest. If you look in the fine print there. Oh. It's Latin. It means nice chocolate. Um, okay. Marginal chocolate <laughs> is actually, I think, what it comes no, out as. Easy. Nestle, send your hate mail to. Uh... Um, but when was it started? So the Nestle company was started in the year seems like a really old company seems like one of these old ones uh i have no idea 1878 18 wow you're going early i guess that's not close based on his reaction joe's like just a bit outside i i don't know uh len well, you know, I was going to say somewhere in the 1800s too, but I got to be strategic here because we've got the uh, we've got Paula, and I've been Chelsea Brennan by her a few times in the last few rounds. Eight? What would you say, OG? I said 1878. 1878. Gosh, how far back do I dare go? See, here's the problem. I'm going to get Chelsea. Oh, I got to I got to pick a. Oh, man, you're giving me a narrow range. I'm going to say 1856. Eight, eight, you're going even further back. Well, I, you know, I'm trying to... Uh, can I change it? <laughs> 1865. 1865. That's my final answer. 1865. I'm, really, I'm screwing myself here. Everybody's... everybody's is it, uh, apparently, apparently, Paula, this is an old company. All right, I, so... Or it's a new company and we're way off. I was hoping OG would do a Philippe and say, you know, 2021 or something. (laughs) Not a day before 2016. (laughs) Let's see. That range in between is too narrow for me to want to try to occupy. So I think my options are going to be either 1879 or, Len, what what year did you guess? 1865. I don't remember. 1865. There you go. 1865. Yes. I'm going to go with 1879. 1879. Wasn't that the year Columbus sailed the ocean blue? Wasn't that? Isn't that? <laughs> so, no. I thought that was the year we colonized Mars. That I think that may have, may have been. We're going to find out if any of that is correct or even close to correct. But of course, as usual, we're going to make you wait for it. So hold on. From the makers of the hit podcast, Stacking Benjamins, comes a product so new. So hot, so salacious, that you'll immediately throw down your wallet and ask, How hot is it? For years, investors like Earl and Peoria have been foaming at the mouth over five simpleton letters. V-T-S-A-X. For you heathens, you have not yet been exposed to the light and the goodness of these five letters. That's the Vanguard Total Market Index Fund. But here at Stacking Benjamins Industries, we ask ourselves, is there a better way? Can we ourselves create something with more torrid outcomes? And now, after sweat-filled minutes of groundbreaking work, the scientists at Stacking Benjamin have emerged and are pleased to unveil... 
the Vantage Dominant Super Expensive Index. That's right. We call it VDSEX. Fill that hole in your portfolio in a hurry with some VDSEX. You'll start off with some steamy returns, so good that it feels too good to be true, as you'll be up 69 or more percent. Your results may vary. And you'll find what's more, this thing grows like a rash. That's right, VDSEX. Results that are truly infectious. Soon you'll have all of your loved ones joining in in the sweaty, action-packed fun and misery that only a ride up the stock market can bring. Get yourself a little something-something, VDSEX. A better way to say I love you to your money. OG, you kicked this thing off with 1878. Everybody's in the 1800s. Does that surprise you? Yeah, I have no idea. So it's called anchoring. So we'll see if I did right or wrong or what. <laughs> well, Len, you anchored even further down. You doubled down that it's earlier than that. Yeah, it was a strategic call. I know I'm almost positive it was in the 1800s. And since Paul went above OG, I, I'm feeling pretty good. Well, Paul, you got to feel pretty good, too, because you've got every day after 1879, including... 2015, 2016. It was actually started back in January of 2020. Right. <laughs> Maybe. All right, Doug, you got it from here. What's our answer? Hey, stackers, it's your baking pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I've run into a bit of a quarantine supply snag while attempting to bake some of Doug's famous chocolate chip cookies. How can a pro like me operate in a kitchen with so few supplies? As they say, necessity is the father of creation. So I've used my amazing brain to restructure these recipes based on what we have here on hand. No sugar, no problem. Little powdered sugar saves a day. No baking powder, la-dee-da. Baking soda will work nicely. It's soda, so that's good, right? It also looks like we're going with... Uh, dark chocolate chips because we're totally out of eggs so we're baking egg-free cookies egg-free is all the rage nowadays anyways no fear stackers i'm more confident than ever that these cookies will be the bomb.com as all the young kids say these days before i get back to finishing off my delicious holiday treat here's today's trivia answer the question was what year was nestle founded well Henry Nestle, otherwise known to his good friends as Henri Nestle, founded the company, real creative on the name there, Henri, in Vevey, Switzerland, all the way back in 1866. Just like Nestle, chocolate is crafted to perfection, perfection I say, so will be neighbor Doug's cookies. See ya! Yeah! Wow! Almost Sorry, nailed OG. it. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Very close. Len is on a you, flipping you hot streak. You had it in 1855 Fire. also. If you would have picked 1855, you had that one. No, we would have been tied. Oh, no, you would have won by one. 1855. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> you were off by 11 years, and I was, I was off by 12. Hey, Doug needs to send me some of those cookies now for, for the victory. I have a feeling you I'm can waiting. have the whole batch. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> 
You say cookies, I say poison. <laughs> hey, let's take out the magnify glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, Len, you know what you find? Chocolate chip cookies? Yes. Or those financial products that you use every day at the bank, that brick and mortar bank, not that great when it comes to 92% of the stuff that's all available online at Magnify Money. Everything's ranked very easily from best to worst. Depending on where you live, you're going to see the search results for exactly where you are. And that's checking accounts, savings accounts, CD rates, uh, 0% credit cards, balance transfers, consolidation loans, whatever it is you have it at magnifymoney.com. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney tells them that we sent you. And today we're going to help Jordan with his money. Say hi, Jordan. Joe. Oh, gee. I have not found myself listening as often as I'd like lately, given that I can only listen two times, walking the dog and while on my commute. And I don't have a commute these days. So do you have any suggestions on other times that I could listen? I appreciate it. But I also have a second question. My second question is, when someone has put a little too much money in their sandbox or their sandbox ideas haven't worked out as well, what are your thoughts on a sales strategy, especially when it comes to onboarding a new client? I have been a DIYer for a long time. And probably made a few financial mistakes because of that. Um, because as you know, personal finance is very personal and, um, emotional. And when it comes to money, even the smartest people can make some pretty bad decisions. I appreciate it. I appreciate your thoughts and uh, any insight you have in terms of unwinding, um, old plans or old, um, thoughts in terms of um, bringing on a new investment policy statement or bringing on a new financial advisor. I appreciate your help. I appreciate you guys in this trying time, and I appreciate that you guys bring your continued humor and continued support to all of us out here who are sitting at home waiting for the day that we can go live our normal lives again. This too shall pass. Appreciate everything. Take care of yourselves and stay healthy and stay safe and stay six feet away from each other. Bye now. <laughs> Thanks for the kind words, Jordan. Back at you, man. That does bring up a couple issues. We'll deal with the first question later. We always talk about I think Jordan's making fun of us because we talk about if you're walking the dog or on your commute, we've got you covered, but you might be someplace else. And now we probably got to talk about that, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about this. And Len, let's start with you. Let's say that your financial situation is a mess. You have the wrong investments. You realize which way the train should be going and you have to make some big sale decisions, right? How do you go from all the wrong stuff? to moving things over to the right stuff? Do you do it a piece at a time? Do you look at cost basis? What do you do? Yeah, I go little by little, right? So I, I, if I've got, for example, stocks, I've got a bunch of losers, I will, uh, you know, a little at a time, start bringing those losers out, trying something new and uh, moving on from there. It's, it's too, for me, it's too overwhelming to make a, you know, if I've got a whole bunch of losers, I don't like to, because again, I'm going to research and figure out what's best for me and what's best out there to make potential changes. I just go piece by piece, take that elephant one bite at a time. Knowing you for a few years, Len, I would think that you want to be able to uh, dig into how each piece works as you add a new piece to the puzzle. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. Yep. You don't want to just jump into something and not know, you don't want to do it on a whim, right? Especially if you're, you, you've got a loser and you want to try something different. You don't want to just go from loser to loser. You want to try and give yourself a good shot of turning that loser into a winner. And can I just say this is, was that his name, Steven? His name's Jordan. 
Jordan. Jordan. Okay, because I thought it was Hal. Didn't it sound like Hal from 2001 Space Odyssey? <laughs> It's time to close the pod bay doors. Open, yes, now. close the pod bay. Pod bay open doors. them. I don't know if you're supposed to close them or open them. <laughs> it's been a long time since I saw the movie. You sure sounded like Hal. <laughs> I'm not sure I can do that, Hal. <laughs> but it's not Hal. It's the computer buddy, right? Not Hal. Or you? Or, I don't know. Or, or do you think it's the guy with the computer, Len? Who knows, Joe? No, it's it's the computer. You think Hal. it's the computer? Oh yeah, that. What, what? Hal stands for something. I forget what it stands for, but it's. That's the name of the computer. That's right. What's the guy's name? Dave. 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 It's like, Dave, I can't, you know. Dave, I can't. Yes. I can't open the pod bay doors, Dave, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Paula is so confused right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Paula, there's this movie, apparently. (laughs) So on our team, complete side note, but on our team, we have a Paula who's not really Paula, who is completely... (laughs) out of the loop on any sort of movie TV reference. We actually started a Slack channel that is movies for this team member. And every time we have a quote of a movie that we talk about that she hasn't seen, it goes in the Slack channel so that she has a ongoing list of things to watch or listen for. We should do that for Paula. Can you play Jordan just a little snippet one more time? Just, just listen to how it sounds like how. Joe. Oh, gee. I have not found myself listening as often as I'd like lately. Joe, oh gee. <laughs> Open the pod bay doors. <laughs> I don't I don't I I don't Sorry, know. Joe, I can't do that. Paula, let's get back to the question. Besides our famous call in member who is uh according to Len, maybe maybe he lives close to you. Maybe he's in Hollywood, Len. Maybe Jordan's a voice actor. We don't know. But Paula, you've got a bunch of stuff that's in the wrong place. You're moving it to the right place. Anything else you think about? Well, I think the first thing that I would do, um, because he mentioned professionals that you might want to work with. The first thing that I would do is if I was going to work with a financial advisor, get recommendations, interview a handful of people, choose a fee-only financial advisor with a fiduciary duty, and... I would have that person, I would be working with that person first before I started making any big move. Uh, What do you mean? Well, like if I wanted to sell out of a bunch of mutual funds and put that money into either transfer it into index funds in a different taxable brokerage account or sell out of that and then use that money to make a down payment on a rental property um, or like basically any major moves that I was going to make. I would just want another set of eyes looking at it to double check me and let me know if I have any blind spots and catch any errors or present new frameworks or new ways of thinking. I thought you were saying you work with them a while before you made any of those moves. Oh, no, no, no. I would select, you know, I would interview a handful of people and then select that person and then have, you know, in that first phone call, say, hey, look, here's a spreadsheet of all of my assets and liabilities. Here are some of the things that I'm thinking about doing. What do you think of this, this X, Y, and Z? Yeah, they and if they don't go over all that stuff, I would eliminate them immediately. <laughs> like that, would be, that would be very bad. Or if they say, I don't know anything about that, like that would that'd be great. I don't know. I remember. Well, we can talk about that later. Oh, gee, what were you thinking when you heard Jordan's question? 
Well, based on what we talked about earlier today, I'm a big fan of kind of tearing the Band-Aid off, except for one one specific uh, difference. And that kind of goes with what Len was talking about in terms of going piece by piece. The only thing I would go piece by piece would be if you had investments that were in a non-qualified or non-retirement account that uh, have some tax issues, whether they're gains or losses. Right now, it sounds like Jordan is focusing on uh, maybe some losses, but the other thing could be true also. If you've got a stock or a position that maybe has done really super good and you didn't know it was going to do that well, or you've got stock in your individual company that all of a sudden you have too much of in terms of like an bonuses or stock options or something like that, it's very difficult to make those decisions wholesale because there's so many other ramifications. Income tax issues, probably the biggest one of those. Qualified plans, your IRAs and Roth IRAs, once you've come to the decision that a new path forward is better, whether it's better for diversification purposes or it's better for costs, you know, you've got higher cost investment products and you want to use lower cost ones. It's all about the steps forward from now on. The decisions that you've made in the past are the decisions that you've made. It's all about what is likely to be the best outcome moving forward based on the information that you have. And if it's qualified plans and there's no tax ramifications, I would say do that wholesale. On the tax side of things, maybe a little slower. Thanks for the question, Jordan. You've got a question for the team here. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and we will answer your question as well. And maybe talk about how you're probably a Hollywood superstar who's made some major movies. You're playing, playing some big parts. Or at there. least a major movie. At least one major movie. Yes. Uh, that's going to do it for today. What do you got going on this weekend? OG? I can't believe it's Friday. It's a day that ends in Y. They all kind of blend together now. Uh, it is really hard to believe that we are already halfway through the month of May and, uh, nothing really super planned this weekend. You know, we're just slowly, but surely waiting for things to open up and, uh, get some small gatherings back together with family and friends my kids have one last week of school. It's uh, not even a full week. It's just a couple of days. So after that, we're going to take some free days, which look a lot like the last 10 weeks uh, hanging out at home. So wow. eventually we too. Someday. Go somewhere. Someday. Len, what's happening at lenpenzo.com, man? One thing that I think a lot of people might be worried about right now is getting laid off. And I know I've always my whole life worried about that. I do this layoff war gaming I've on from time to time. And I have uh, an article explaining exactly what I do, how I war game my personal finances in the event of a potential layoff. So uh, stop on by and you can see exactly how I do it. It's uh, very enlightening. A potential layoff or the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> well, then we got bigger problems. But yes, I'm actually taking care of that with the bunker. The zombie apocalypse yes. is already accounted for. Got that done. And man, it looks like uh, here in the middle of the month, Len, you might you might be able to pick up some more uh, light sweet crew for your hot tub too. <laughs> the bunker is full. There is no more room. I can't put another drop in there, Joe. That is uh, that is sad. And I'm going to be holding the bag if the price doesn't come up soon. Holding the barrel <laughs> in this case. You're right. <laughs> yes. Uh, Paula, what's happening at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, Dr. Sarah Stanley Falla is uh, joining us on the podcast to talk about how your personality 
impacts the way that you handle money, particularly during a pandemic or a bear market or during times of crisis. Now, Dr. Sarah Fallah is the author of The Next Millionaire Next Door, and she is the daughter of one of the co-authors of The Millionaire Next Door. So The Millionaire Next Door was co-authored by the late Dr. Thomas Stanley, and his daughter is now carrying on his legacy. Yeah, that's such a great book. If you haven't read The Millionaire Next Door, man, get busy. Yeah, exactly. So the sequel to that, The Next Millionaire Next Door, the author of that is joining us to talk about your investments and the pandemic. That's the Afford Anything podcast. Wow. Pan- what Pandemic, huh? Yeah, you know there's a pandemic going on? I didn't know. That's, that's a crazy. Amazing. Right in the middle of our quarantine, too. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> I thought we were doing this just to save on gas. That's not why? Oh, <laughs> that's going to do it for today, everybody. Thanks a ton for hanging out with us. Uh, Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our roundtable. How do you get started? One foot in front of the other people, one foot in front of the other. It's science. Second, take a lesson from Lauren Minchez. Want lifetime income? Watch out for the bad sales pitches and do your homework. You'll come up with a good solution. But the big takeaway? Turns out, maybe those ingredient swaps uh, help me create something entirely new. What started out as chocolate chip cookies finished as delicious chocolate bricks. Bricks! All right, don't just don't bite down on them too hard because I've strategically made them a little tough on the old chompers. But if you let them soak in your mouth for like, I don't know, like five or you know, ten minutes, boy, are they, they're just delish. It's just sweet perfection. It'll take you to a, a whole nother level of heaven. That's what it's going to do. Just, just let them soak there. Suck on them. They're like all day sucker chocolate chip bricks. You'll love them. Special thanks to Paula, Len, and OG for sharing their wisdom with us today. As always, you can check out their information on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Also, special thanks to Lauren Minches from Blueprint Income for coming to the basement to talk retirement saving strategies. You can learn more about Blueprint Income, believe it or not, on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. I know, right? Who would have thought to go there? This show is created by Joe Saul Seahigh, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor.
Welcome to the after show. You know, we were uh, talking earlier about advisors and Paula about um, things that you should ask your advisor. And yeah, like, have you seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? Exactly. Very important to ask your advisor that. <laughs> when I was near the end of my first year as a financial advisor, a bunch of us went to, I think it was a TGI Fridays and just hung out after work. And it had been a long, long, long day like they all were when you're first trying to establish a new business. So we get on this topic of what are some things clients would not want to hear you say? Like if you, if you were, if you were either their advisor or their potential advisor. And I, I bring this up because I quoted one earlier, which was mutual fund, huh? Like what, what, so you can explain what this mutual fund thing is that you have here. I'm not, not familiar with that. You got the blue one. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes. Or you go, or you say something like, uh, you know, you're telling your client a story and the story begins with, so right after I was bailed out, <laughs> probably, probably not. But are there some other ones that you guys can think of that you wouldn't want you to hear your advisor say? The chef recommends the black and tuna for today. Wait, aren't you the one in charge of my money? Yeah, but I'm terrible at that. So I'm also a waiter. <laughs> that, that would be bad. Len, you've got to have one. Uh, I'd say something like, you know, who knew you could get your uh, certification with uh, 10 bazooka bubblegum wrappers? It was just, you know, something like that. Who knew? <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I studied for an entire week for that test. <laughs> right. Right. I took a whole week planning for a test and now I'm sitting in front of you. <laughs> this is a government mandated test and I managed to get a 70%. Right. <laughs> I can think of plenty of serious answers. Like I would hate to hear a financial advisor say like, Index funds, losers. Yeah. No thanks. Really, penny stocks are where it's at. <laughs> that's that's right. Hey, they've See, already there's been a lot of stocks. I, I really like these stocks with the Q at the end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Diversification is having every letter of the alphabet. <laughs> I like my sheets pink, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Tax ramifications. <laughs> uh, you can go ahead and just skip that. <laughs> yeah. Fee for this investment, zero. Oh, Nothing. Yeah. Yes. No, that's a serious one I love. I remember one time when I was a financial planner getting beaten. This the client calls me up later and goes, yeah, I interviewed the other guy. And he said he would do everything you talked about charging me for. He would do it for free. And I'm like, well, well, that was he wearing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Did it appear that he had recently had a haircut or was wearing a nice suit? Did he drive to the office and have a family to provide for? Hey, Joe, what was that guy's name? I, I felt I felt if I felt, you got his number. Send it to me, would you? That's right. I'm like, so you went with that one, huh? Yeah, you went with that. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, 
who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.